everyone needs a safe place to talk. You're here today with Grant and Laurel Fishbook, and we are passionate about the messiness of authentic conversation. From hard questions to difficult responses, this is a risk worth taking. There will be a whole lot of laughs, maybe some tears, and everything in between. Join us as we continue the conversation to gain understanding about ourselves, others, and the Jesus we love. Well, it's great to have you with us today. We want to welcome you to a live version of our podcast, Continuing the Conversation, and I'm welcoming three audiences right now. First of all, everybody in the room, good morning. Good to have you along with us. We're here on a Sunday morning, and I'm just so glad that you joined us. Then I'm welcoming everyone that's online right now. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're glad that you're with us. And then to those of you that are listening later on as podcasts often happen, we're so glad that you're uh, listening with us as well. So we're going to dive in, and here's what I'm going to promise you. We are not pulling any punches this morning. These are your questions. We didn't make these up on our own. We asked you as our church family to ask life questions and you did not disappoint us. You're gonna put us all on the hot seat and we're really, really glad that you are here. Uh, what I want you to know is this, as with all of our podcasts, these folks have not been prepped today at all. So when they hear the question for the first time, it is the first time, because we love that raw element. We love being honest and open. We think uh, more than a monologue, we need to have a dialogue. And so we're gonna be doing that. Let me introduce some of our friends that are here this morning. First of all, we've got Molly Martin. Molly serves on our Ecclesia staff. She's been on CTK staff for a little while, and she has that younger generation voice, which we so appreciate. Then we have Dietrich Grimes. Dietrich is a member of our church council, and I have so appreciated Dietrich's wisdom and his love for the Word of God, which is so appreciative. Then we've got Drew. Drew Young is our communications specialist. He's a part, uh, he looks after our social media stuff and makes sure that our streams are flowing every single week when we work online. And then we've got Jeff Butcher. Jeff is a uh, a member of a CTK small group, and he and his wife, they're also Touchpoint Connectors, which we so appreciate. And Jeff and his wife, Paula, were actually guests on our last episode of our podcast, and we talked about life transitions. And if, so if you're looking for something to listen to, you will not be disappointed with that. And then this uh, beautiful young lady to my right is my wife, Laurel. And Laurel helps moderate and host the podcast, Continuing the Conversation. And she's gonna jump into that right now. And so welcome, everybody. We're glad you're here. Put on your seatbelt. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. We did. We had an amazing evening last night, and the questions are phenomenal. You gave us incredible context with the questions, but just because of time, I had to eliminate some of the backstory, and I want you to know that I did my best to just maintain the integrity of your question. So here we go. Jeff, starting with you. Life seems so hopeless right now. Where can I look for hope? Short answer, Jesus. Yeah, there you go. Um, wow. With, with so many of these questions, I was thinking about this last night. If I could just sit down with these folks and have coffee with them and hear more of the story and, and the pain and the hurt or, or where these things are coming from. But I can relate to that um, because it's so easy to wake up and feel hopeless and, and feel that maybe all is lost or maybe that, you know, what do we do on a daily basis? But I tell you what, it's a moment by moment decision to abide in our Savior. And uh, I haven't figured that out. I struggle with it. Um, I'm sure we would all admit that. But boy, if we can just start each day and saying, Jesus, I'm yours, I'm desperate for you. 
I need you. Without you today, I'm, I'm going to fail. I'm going to make some bad mistakes. Um, so for me, I think um, it can be as complicated as we want it to be. It, it, to me, it's, it's a relationship with Jesus and a moment-by-moment moment dependence on him. I don't know if you guys want to throw anything in there. Sure. Um, just to add to that, and I agree with you completely there, Jeff. I think in those times of hopelessness, it's also a gift and a blessing for us to grab onto the pockets of beauty and the pockets of, of blessing that are out there. So, you know, case in point, two days ago, we're all sitting uh, in our homes listening to the wind buffet us about, and, you know, sounds like a freight train outside our, uh, our homes, and, um, you know, we were in the dark. Some of, a lot of us were in the dark because yeah. we lost power. And, you know, the next morning, you know, I woke up and walked outside and it was gorgeous. Yep. You know, the, the skies were clear, the sun was shining. Mm. And, and even in that time of, you know, relative tumult, um, we were able to see and appreciate God's beauty. Mm. And even in those times of you know, where it feels like there's no hope at all, we are still blessed with just those little, little pockets and, and, um, reminders of God's love even in the midst of hopelessness. So hold on to those, anchor onto those and, and use those to you know to remind you that God is always present and Jesus' love is always there with us even in the times of, of when it feels like utter hopelessness. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's interesting. I love that you mentioned how you start your day and you mentioned morning. Uh, I, I thought of one of my favorite scriptures is that his mercies are never failing. God's mercies are never failing. They are as new as the morning and as fresh as the sunrise. Yeah. And I thought it was so cool that you talked about how you start your day because practically for me, if I don't start my day in a good place, like I, I won't feel that hope the rest of my day. And so like, what does it mean for, for me to wake up every day and, and first thing in the morning, what do I meditate on? What do I think about? Do I pray in the morning? Do I go to scripture in the morning? Like I think how, for me, like how I shape my mornings shapes so much of how I see hope during the day. And I love that you touched on that too. Yeah, I had the privilege of studying under Dr. Ray Bakke at Bakke Graduate University. And Ray, his favorite question is to literally walk up to random people and say, where are you seeing hope? Like, where are you seeing hope? And then you start connecting those dots together in your community. And there are incredible things happening all around us. But sometimes you actually have to ask the question. So if you're struggling with hopelessness, a great question to ask somebody is, hey, where are you seeing hope? Because they may see it in places you never get a chance to look. Yeah, and it's important to look for it, right? Pay attention to what you're fixating on. So if it's the news and all the, the negative Instagram followers, probably not a good place to be. Not so pay attention to what you're focusing on. Dietrich. All right, you ready? This is another question that was sent in. What is the believer's response to the demands of the current administration? Defiance or compliance? Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Coming out of the gate strong. This <laughs> I, I believe that we, you know, and I have to remind myself of this often and um, you know, would encourage us all to remind ourselves of this as we, you know, as we navigate through the current administration or the administration before or the administration before that or before that. Yeah. Keep in mind that every administration or every group of authority has been preordained, has been part of God's master plan he is known since the beginning yep. who is going to be in charge. And because of that, 
he has granted that authority to those people that he has ordained as being leaders. And we may not always agree, we may not always uh, disagree, but no matter what, we have to acknowledge and accept that God is always in control and God has planned for this. So what I would ask myself is, how do I operate within that, within that administration and, and those who are making the decisions, whether I agree with them or not? What is ultimately my mission? And you, know, you can't say, you can't spell commission without mission. Our mission, our, the great commission is to go out and to teach the gospel to the nations. And we can do that within the confines of, of any administration and anything that is, um, is communicated or, or dictated to us by those in, in charge, knowing that God is all, the ultimate authority and his authority has passed th- to us with that great commission. So, you know, I would ask myself in that, you know, what, what specifically is the, the driver? What is the, 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 the issue that um, we are so concerned with that, you know, it's driving us to decide either compliance or defiance and ask ourselves, what is the voice that's, that is inspiring us to go, you know, make one decision or the other? And is that voice of God? Is that voice the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Or is that voice somebody of the world? And ask yourself that question first. Ask what's the root issue that you have a strong feeling about and ask, is that of God? And if so, then you make the determination how to respond. But again, understanding that the ultimate authority is God and he has placed that authority preordained in the in whatever administration it is that we've, you know, that this country has experienced for hundreds of years. Yeah, I I love your response. I think that it it really causes us to ask a lot of good questions and kind of ask like, why do I feel this tension? Why do I feel like I'm struggling to make a decision? And one thing that um, our Ecclesia team has been thinking through as we've been kind of navigating this is when we begin to question. Um, or make decisions on our own outside of some of the some of the mandates, some of the things that we've been guided in, is as soon as we step away and start kind of making our own decisions and our own discretion, then at what point does that stop? It kind of opens up a door and opens up a new way of like, okay, well, if I'm gonna make this decision on my own, then at what point am I kind of submitting to an authority? And it does make me think about like, our sin nature is to choose right and wrong, choose um, goodness and stuff for ourselves. And I think that we we are given an opportunity to submit to authority. It may not be the best. It may not always be what we agree with. It may not always be um, the best way that our country could be ran, but there is an opportunity to submit. Um, I will say absolutely there is um, like God is our ultimate authority. And so if there, if we have a conviction, if the Holy Spirit is convicting us of something and we feel that that is the most important thing that's guiding us, that that, that matters and pay attention to that. But I think be cautious, I would say, of when we are just hoping to kind of decide what we want because it feels easier or because it's, it's what we want to choose. Yeah. yeah, and I would submit like, I think there's a third option, and that's prayer, 
Like, like honestly, I've thought so many times, like, I would not want to be in any of their seats. Like, whether I agree with what they are doing or saying or not, like, I can't imagine being responsible for the number of, I mean, even look at you, Grant, like, just shepherding this church, like, this local body, and I can't even imagine that level of authority, let alone millions of people. And so, like, I used to kind of, like, scoff at the, oh, you should pray for your leaders. I used to be like, oh, okay, like, that's that's a cute thing to say, but no, like, it's real. Like, our leaders need prayer. Like, whether we agree with what they have to say or not, like, Dietrich's right. Like, God has appointed them, and God has put them in that place for a season, for a reason, and, and I think we do have a responsibility to pray for them, because that's a huge responsibility. Well, even more than a responsibility, Scripture says it commands us as followers to pray for those in authority over us. We're supposed to do that. And I'm always just struck by the fact that if you read the book of Romans, where many of those commands are, especially chapters 11, 12, and 13, just lays it out how we're supposed to respond. Paul's writing that in the face of the Roman Empire. I don't know if you studied high school history at all, but the Roman Empire was not kind, loving. It was brutal, especially towards this, this new group called The Way, this group of Jesus followers. And so we have to take that responsibility very seriously. I think the way we conduct ourselves in our present world, um, we, we mentioned this last night, we get so much further with conversation than we do with condemnation. And God has called us into that place. And so we, we prayerfully have to navigate as we prayerfully pray um, for the authority over top of us. And it's a tough tension, but God's called us into such a time as this. Well done. I'm not touching it. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> moving on. <laughs> Drew, this one's for you. The title Christian is used by many people who seem to have little interest in the real Jesus and often cause great harm in the world. I'm hesitant to identify as a Christian without a long explanation. There's a fear of self-righteousness on one hand, but I need to distance myself from those who are really harmful to the name of, of, to the name of Christ on the other hand. How do I walk this tightrope in love? Gosh, I think I love the phrase that Grant has said a couple times, the tension between grace and truth. Uh, I grew up in the Midwest in the Bible Belt where it's very popular to be a Christian and everybody and their brother's sister's cousin's <laughs> dog is a Christian, right? Like, like seriously, everybody goes to church just because that's the expectation. Like that's natural. And, and I don't think you see that here in our context as much. But, but seeing that growing up, I saw so many people where I was like, yes, like you say you're a Christian, but you don't you don't act like that and you don't live like that. And the tension for me, I think the grace and truth side is this, is like, I know there was a season of my life where I wanted the things that Jesus had to offer, but I didn't want to offer my life to him. And I lived in that circle. as a, So I was like, I'm a Christian because I wanted the things that Jesus had to offer. And I think so many people that find faith start in that place. Like, I think the grace is, is recognizing, like, a lot of people would like to say that they're part of this family because they want what this family and what Jesus has to offer, but they haven't crossed that threshold where they're willing to say, like, I'm willing to commit my life and act and live like Jesus. And so that's where the other side, the truth comes in is like, I think that we have a level of accountability within each other. Like, I think we have to call each other out too. I think we have to say like, hey, like you say you're a Christian and you are not acting like Jesus right now. And I think that there's some boldness sometimes that's uncomfortable where I've looked at people in my life and been like, hey, like, and it's, and it's loving. And the reality is like, if there's somebody in your life who identifies as a Christian, 
that you don't see them acting like Christ. It's actually loving to say, hey, like, I'm going to call you higher. Like, I'm, I believe that you are better and Jesus in you is better than this. And so, like, I think that there's, there's such an important relational element there. But then as far as explaining to other people, like, it's tough. Like, there are apologies to be made for the church and for Christians. And, and that's why, Jeff, I love that you keep pointing people back to the answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. Because if you look to other Christians, they will always fail you. Like, if you look, if, if you look to other people who claim to follow Jesus and not Jesus, you will always be disappointed. And so I think that's we have to keep Jesus at the center of it, not Jesus. People, because people fail. Yeah. Yeah. There's something that Grant says all the time that sticks with me, and that is I identify myself as a Jesus follower. And, yeah. and especially now, you know, if someone asks you how you identify and you say, I'm a Christian, they're, they're waiting. They're ready to, to pounce on you. As soon as I say Christian, but what about this, 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 and this? Saying I am a Jesus follower flips the script. It changes the conversation, and then it gives yeah gives us the opportunity when they ask, well, what's the difference? What does that mean to be a Jesus follower? The door is open for so many different conversations that people are willing to listen to versus being just ready to, to pounce on that word Christian. Yeah, I think it's a, you know, it comes back to that. There's the famous Mahatma Gandhi quote, which he says, I, I could love your Christ. It's your Christians that I cannot align with and that's a tension I think in our world today I love using the words Jesus follower because it does it changes the script completely um, I think people have uh, an openness to having a conversation about Jesus it's the label Christian that becomes more and more difficult so we have to navigate that it's a tough it's a tough tension right now all right Molly you ready I have this is a question sent in again I have a 17 year old daughter who grew up loving Jesus. She came out fearfully as a lesbian last year and is now an atheist because she was told homosexuals go to hell. How do I share God's love for her? Wow. It's yeah, real. This is a real, a real family. And I just thank you for sending this question. I'm sure that took a lot of courage and that this has been um, just a difficult and painful situation to navigate for all parties involved. That's painful. That's painful to hear. Um, and I understand why. Um, I understand why she would want to walk away um, because that is really difficult. I would say what I hear in the question is, how do I love my daughter? How do I um, meet her where she's at? And and that's that's what I would say is meet her where she's at. Um, this is kind of a cliche, but people are not projects. Um, and people are people with real hurt and thoughts and nuance. And um, I would say our number one priority in this situation is to be with her, is to love her, is to um, just offer relationship. and it can feel difficult and painful. You know, I have friends that are questioning Jesus and it like, it makes my stomach twist and I just want them to, I just want them to know the hope and I just want them to know the truth. And I'm like, you had it, you had it and you understood. But I think the, the worst thing that I could do is come at them with 
aggression or come at them with trying to convince or come at them with trying to just show them where they're wrong and rather just love and be open to answering questions. Be open, honestly, ask, asking questions, asking where the hurt is coming from, asking what she's experiencing, um, asking what questions she has, asking where does she put her hope in, what, like, where does she feel loved? Where doesn't she feel loved? And just being with her. And that is you showing Jesus. Um, yeah. I often think about how Jesus responds in grief and in painful situations. And more often than not, he's simply just there with people. Um, we often don't have the power to take away pain and to take away hurt as much as we want to, but what we can do is be present. And I would say start there. And I know that that often doesn't feel like enough and it might not ever feel like enough, but if we don't start there, then we'll never ever get to enough. And so start showing up, asking questions, being there. Obviously the heart of this question has that desire. Like this person wants to love and wants to be there and wants to care. And, so and I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in for a minute just to honor again the integrity of the question. Cause whoever wrote it did say they were there for that person and they yeah. loved and accepted her. It's huge. Yes. The, the bigger yes. part of the question is how do I convince her God loves her? Mm -hmm. So I think definitely, you know, yeah. you answered in, in the part of we model it, right? right. I mean, exactly. we're loving her. But how can you convince somebody that was told you're going to hell that, no, God loves you? Yeah. Yeah, I think what you said, Laurel, is, is modeling it, is being that picture of Christ's love to her and telling her, honestly telling her over and over again that what she's heard isn't true, that God loves her no matter what, that that is true, that she is loved, that she is seen, that she is known, that she is cared for no matter what. Like that's what we believe. We believe that God, while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us, that we are loved no matter what we choose, no matter how we identify, we are loved. And and just telling her that and speaking her, speaking that truth over her over and over, I think is very powerful. Our words are very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say the, the tragic part of that story to me are the words of this other person that did such horrible damage to, to a young person. Condemnation uh, rather than that person loving this other person and having a conversation and just talking. And uh, just a reminder that our words can be so powerful either for the good or to really hurt someone in an in a almost irreparable way, I think. Yeah, it's a difficult tension to live in. The, the, there's no one righteous, not even one. And I'm amazed whenever I hear questions like this, because we get them often, is they're usually hooked into one particular sin. Mm -hmm. And I'm always quick to point out... Um, you know, the reality is the Bible does teach that any expression of sexuality outside of a heterosexual marriage between a man and a woman is sin. And we go, yeah. And go, and so is greed. And so is gluttony. And so is unrequited anger. And so is, um, we quoted this last night, to him who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. And I can get pretty passionate about this whole thing because, boy, we're quick to go, yeah, that, 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 instead of going this 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 and for all of us if it wasn't for that cross we all stand condemned 
And it's the love of God that compels us. And so, and it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. We have to hold all of that. My heart breaks for the mom. My heart breaks for the daughter. And I am so grateful to be in a context where it's okay to ask that question and struggle with that question and love regardless. Absolutely. It's important. Absolutely. So if you're listening, no beyond a shadow of a doubt, God loves you. Yeah. That was... It reiterated over and over. Okay, I'm going to throw this out to anybody, so it's up for grabs. My question is about time. With kids and work, we are completely overscheduled and exhausted. I feel like my heart needs time, comfort, and truth with God. I desire to be more present in a real way with my wife and kids. I believe these are things God wants for me, but my question is how or when? It sounds like a tired dad. Yeah, um, been there, <laughs> done that. I look back sometimes when my kids were young and our, our lives were crazy and you think, how in the world did we do that? But you do it. Um, but I will say this, the time is now. Um, and obviously I think this person that wrote this question knows that the time is now, but they're trying to figure out how do we do this? How do we navigate this? And again, um, I mentioned this last night, the importance of being around other people who are on this journey, like close relationships, small groups, whatever it may look like, so that you can navigate some of these difficult times with other people, and you can ask them to pray for you. You can ask people that know you well, um, what are you seeing? How can, how can you help us as a family? I, I see what you are doing, or can you pray for us, or... And I think in a practical way, I'm sure there are resources here at the church, uh, folks that they could talk to, to get some very practical ways of setting boundaries. We love that term, um, scaling back. But I, I do know this, without a shadow of a doubt, there's nothing more important than for a father to love his children and to love his wife. All of the other stuff is less important guarantee you that I've, I've lived it I've seen it and I think we would all agree with at least that part of it so yeah, absolutely and I can speak to the work piece um, I, I'm guilty of this all the time which is just pulling in more 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 and then finding out that you know at the end of the day I haven't given myself the time that I need to spend with God and, and growing spiritually and it's really important to ask that all of these things that we are seeking in accordance with our jobs or with our career, are they of God? Or are they things that we feel we need or we feel we want, but really aren't necessary? Um, seeking the ambition, seeking the next promotion, seeking the, you know, what is the career gonna look like in, in 20 years and what do I have to do to get there? God says, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, today is, is here and it's in front of you and that's what you need to focus on. Folk, uh, tomorrow will take care of itself. So, you know, really look at all of those things, you know, especially from a, a work and a career perspective that, you know, and ask yourself, are they of God or are they of me? And if they're of me, are they really necessary? And are they, do they, um, are they higher, more important than what God wants of me, which is just time with him? I'm pretty sure the answer is going to be no. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I found too, just even taking that time in the morning, the time that you don't have, but making it a discipline, you'll find the rest of your day is your time is maximized and it goes smoother and better. And 
I, I really believe God honors that time and it, it maximizes and, and makes for a better day all around. Okay. Can I jump in really quick? I just feel the Lord like putting this on my heart about the last question. Um, we've been praying so much about like people actually hearing this and this actually being helpful. And I just want to say like whoever wrote this question, if you're listening right now, like connect with me. I'd love to connect your daughter with other people who identify as LGBTQ that love Jesus, that would love to talk to her. So I just, that, the Lord put that on my heart to say that. So if you're listening or here, um, yeah, come talk to me after. Thanks, Molly. How do you stay faithful and obedient in the waiting and longing for things like marriage, having a family, or healing from sickness? There are times where I want God to take away the desire altogether. Dramatic pause. Yeah. That's a loaded question. There's a lot yeah. there. It's a yeah. tough. It's tough. I, I mean, I can identify personally with, with this question. Um, you know, as someone who is single and 26, um, and I have friends who are single and 29 and 30, and th I mean, the, like, the older you get, it doesn't get easier. Like, this is just a reality. Yeah. Um, but I had a friend who... Uh, was really struggling in his relationship um, just recently. And he was like, man, I, I'm wrestling through all of these things. And I was like, well, that's great that you get, I mean, like, right, I was like, you get an opportunity to wrestle with those things because you're in a relationship. Um, and he was like, you know what? He, he pointed something out to me. He was like, God will use your singleness in this season more than he may ever use my relationship. Like, God will... God will do different things in your heart and your life because of this place that you're in right now. And he was like, just cherish. He's like, when I was single, I always wanted to be in a relationship and I always wanted to be married. And now that I'm in this place, he's like, there's a lot of things that I miss and there's a lot of things that the opportunities that I don't have. And he was like, so, so press into where God can use the season and the situation that you're in. And like, it really hit me. I was like, man, like I, the longing is real. Like, I think we all long for belonging and companionship and relationship. But there are things that God does in your life and through your life when you are single and when you are in those situations that he, that he doesn't do when, when, you're, when you're married. You don't get the same opportunities. Mm -hmm. So I'm learning to, to press into what does God have for me right now? Like, I think you even mentioned this, like not living in the future, but like what is here today? Like what is right in front of me? What is God placed in my life today rather than always thinking about that season that's coming next? Enjoy the one that you're in while it lasts. That's good. That's it. Any, any more? I think there is, I mean, for me and just speaking from the experience we are, we've been waiting for a miracle forever, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, many miracles, but... I, there is so, so much that God does in the waiting, like you said, Drew, so many lessons to learn. I can honestly say I am thankful that my prayers for a miracle weren't answered, you know, even, even a year ago, because what, I, I, I have, what I've learned in the last year and the people I've been able to connect with has been amazing. So there are incredible lessons in the waiting and, and much joy in the waiting, too. Yep. Yeah. Okay, moving on. I can, I can tell by the look. <laughs> We're getting close. Yeah, okay. We're getting close. The Bible says we are saved by grace alone and not by works. My question is, many places in the Bible mention if statements. For example, if you hate your brother, the truth is not in you. 
All the verses are meant for a reason. Can you please tell me why the apostles provided them to believers? Well, my first thought to that question is, hang on to that first verse, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I really feel that we need to interpret some difficult scriptures in light of that which is really clear. And to me, scripture is incredibly clear throughout the New Testament that the only way to Jesus in eternal life is simply through his son and believing in that. Nothing more, nothing less. Nothing that I can do to earn his favor. So for me, a starting point would be interpret everything else that seems a little bit odd or a little bit like, what's that? Interpret that in light of what we know to be true. Mm -hmm. And then I think some of those difficult scriptures might become uh, a, a little clearer to us. That, that's my first thought. Yeah, I think oftentimes we think about that moment that we become a Christian or the moment we become saved where we pray the prayer and we, we say that Jesus is Lord, which is a really powerful moment. Some of us, you know, have that moment over and over again and it's a continual decision. But when we say that Jesus is Lord, that is a very powerful statement about reality. Like we are making a statement that Jesus is Lord. And so saying that and believing that and confessing that, that, that means that we, we trust in Jesus and that we get to experience eternal life with him. And also it means that we're making a statement about reality that has implications, that we are called to obedience in Jesus, that in order to, he says like the key to eternal life is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. That to experience this life in the kingdom of God that he describes, there's a way to do that. And it's to live in obedience to Jesus. And it doesn't mean that our behavior is what saves us, but that when we, when we say Jesus is Lord, he's like, okay, if that's true, if I'm Lord of your life, here's the way to live in order to experience my kingdom to the fullest. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We have one more? Time for one more? Time for one more. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. What is it about the CTK vision from 1988 that still inspires the team today? What do you wish everyone at CTK knew and would get on board with? This might be difficult. Do you guys know that the CTK vision from 1988? I wasn't <laughs> born yet. <laughs> I was also not born yet. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm absorbed in this stuff all the time. We actually just did some wordsmithing on our mission, but the ultimate pieces are that we are an authentic Christian community that effectively reaches out to unchurched people, de-churched people, re-churched people, non-churched people. I don't want anything to do with church people in love, acceptance, and forgiveness so they can experience the joy of salvation and a purposeful life of discipleship. That, those were the anchors that we attached ourselves to. For me, it's the effective reaching out part. I mean, and, and we're experiencing it right now, right? We're experiencing right now. We live in a world that is, that, that is white-knuckling their way through life. And Jesus, <laughs> to some people's great chagrin, had, had standards. He said, this is right this is wrong and we have to live in the tension of those things being called to that and so it's how do I live my life in front of people to whom uh, they have no box or context for the standards of God and for whatever reason God picked us to be his representatives and his ambassadors 
in a world that doesn't understand what love actually looks like. It's very loving for God to say, this but not this. This line but not that line. And we have to live in the middle of that. So for me, it's unchurched people coming into a relationship with Jesus. And then we actually do trust that God, that God can sort it out and say this but not this. And when someone comes under the authority of God, to me, that's the great question. And they have to bring everything under the authority of God. Sexuality, gender, politics, life, family, priorities. When all of that comes under the Lordship of Christ, I trust that the Lord and Savior is actually gonna do that good work inside of them. And I can participate with him. So, Dietrich? Everything you said, you know, I agree. And I, I, I love that this is truly a church that where the words all are welcome carry a lot of meaning. Meaning, you know, people say it, um, not everybody lives it. This church has always lived it. And I'm, you know, I'm very proud to be part of a, an organization that wants to bring you in the door and wants to remind you, as just as we talked about, that you are loved, that you are loved by God and you are loved by the people that are sitting in this congregation. And as you build your understanding of God's love and uh, God's standards, um, you can do that once you're here. But first, we want to get you here. We want you to know that you are always, always, always welcome. These doors are open. And then the next, the, the next very, very important parts of your journey um, with Christ and your, your development of your relationship with God will come. But first, first come through the door. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. That's good. So our time has come to a close and I want to thank the panel. This is not an easy place to be. These are real life questions. It's tough. There's a tension that comes. Um, and so I thank everyone for their grace as we put them on the spot. And if you don't have grace, um, we'll give you a microphone and put you right here on the next round and we can see how we do those things. What I want to just come back to as we go through all of this is that in a time where churches are being ripped apart because there's so many issues that are out there right now that seem to be calling for our attention when we put Jesus in the center of the room when we worship Jesus when we seek Jesus when we love Jesus when we cry out to Jesus and God I don't have a good answer for this question when we put Jesus in the middle of all of the conversations have you noticed that it changes the tone of the conversation every single time so I have an atheist friend and I sit across from him and I love, I love those moments of tension when there's an irony with the fact that what I believe to be the holy, infallible, inerrant word of God is the text that we're discussing. <laughs> we are diametrically opposed and yet that's what actually brings us to the same table. And I think we need to remember that and hold on to that. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to take off this morning and I'm so glad that you took the time to, to listen in on our conversation, agree or disagree. I love the fact that we can have these kinds of conversations in the midst of a time that just seems so divisive and yet we're unified in the fact that, that we think the conversation is worth having. So Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning and thank you for an opportunity to actually dive into the depth of this. Lord, we pray for every person who had the courage to submit a question. God, we pray for hope. We pray for unity. We pray for love. We pray for grace and we do pray for truth too. Lord, as we uh, have the opportunity to bring all of those with us everywhere we go this weekend, 
and in the weeks and days that follow. Lord, would you be king, Lord, and authority over all of us. Lord, help us to navigate the conversations well, even when they are uncomfortable. And Lord, we look forward to the day when all of these things will be resolved when you come and take your children home. So God, thank you for this opportunity to have the conversation. We give you glory and praise today as the king over all of our lives and all of God's people agreed together and said... Amen and amen. Can we appreciate the folks that came and hang out with us this morning? Awesome. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend.